And you're very welcome along to the ninth episode of season three of LOI Weekly with myself, Johnny Ward, and Daniel McDonald. In studio today, we've Owen Harry, the former Sligo Rovers Bohemians and Shelburne manager, and UCD midfield supremo Gary O'Neill, who's here on the back of by far the students' best performance of the season, and probably Gary's as well, the win over Waterford. Uh, we're on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and as ever, contact us on Twitter at LOI Weekly. We're in association with Air Sport and Independent.e, and before Owen and Gary come in. Uh, we just want to apologise that we're a, a day later rather with the podcast this week for circumstances very much uh, out of our control, um, including uh, a lot going on in the Iraq. Daniel McDonald, you were there. Saw a few clips. Including? Including. That, that's the only reason. That was basically That it. is the only reason. Let's not pretend we have something else going on in our lives that meant this. Not for the last few uh, weeks. Relevant. Um, no, no, that's that's the sole reason. We 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 had a, we, we thought about it and we said we could do we could do a podcast on Tuesday and sort of release it on Wednesday morning, the usual time, say, nine, ten o'clock. Um, but we had discussions. Well, a lot of people might be following this or this thing, but we don't know how it's going to go. I think it would have been strategically poor to release a podcast yesterday while uh, there was an entire day of, of, of fun then the doll, which included some League of Ireland references, included in Jonathan O'Brien, someone involved with League of Ireland Club. Um, and of course, we, you know, we had Fran Gavin and... Uh, question alluded to Brave Wonders and, and and other matters of that nature. So I think reacting to yesterday, as much as, and I am very conscious that there's always a danger of overload with this stuff. People might people might maybe try and tune in to this to a degree for a break. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard probably to talk about everything else that's going on in Irish football at the moment without really in refer life. referring to this in life. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else going on in life at the moment? No. In yours? No. I saw that Brexit was delayed until like October today and I just hadn't even registered with I saw that. I got home last night pretty late. And, uh, you had a, a few much needed pints afterwards. Uh, I went for a couple of drinks in town. Did all the journals go out? No. No, no, just a couple of us went for mm. a bit of a bit of a debrief, a, a very late start and uh, home around half 12 or so and it seemed like then there was breaking news going on with uh, Brexit. But um, yeah, the whole uh, Dilexit, as it's been called, is, seems to be... Uh, Seems to be a maybe a might be a more pr protracted affair. Has anything um, happened since? Um... Well, we're talking now on on what Thursday afternoon. We're probably going to try and release this today, so uh, people hopefully are listening to this. In some cases, turn your phone off, John. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's own Harry probably wants uh, wants to know when how to get here, so we'll uh, we'll answer that in due course. <laughs> Um, so you can send him a text while talking here I if you can. want. Um, but yeah, what, what do we expect to happen? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, there's another day at the Dáil for Sport Ireland and Shane Ross next Tuesday. I think we, we've had a statement earlier today. Leinster Senior League uh, seeking comments from uh, seeking comments from their member clubs to see how they feel about the retention of the FEI board. And I wouldn't be surprised if we had uh, more statements of, so, of some degree. I uh, wouldn't be shocked if maybe players did something um, and uh, that's probably something that I'd say might be on the agenda but uh, and maybe might have already happened by the time we get this out but I think certainly it's something that seems to be a possibility. It does seem that um, a lot of people uh, I had a few calls from people even who probably wouldn't be strongly energised by this thing really at all and, and wouldn't be a pro or an anti sort of uh, type of character characters. Um, no Jackie and, Healy Ray. And, and they feel uh, they they feel maybe that yesterday just exposed something that uh, it's probably gone it's gone too far now and I, I I'm not sure there's any turning back from this scenario. I mean, Sport Ireland have cut funding, um, and I, I'd be surprised if they restored it without proper proper progress. What was it like being there? It was obviously a strange thing for a journalist, but um, it was just like soundbite after soundbite after soundbite. It must have been hard to actually fit it all into it. Ah, there was too much going yeah. on. I mean, there was almost too much going on to, like, there was, you know, I've gone to every FEI AGM, maybe, bar maybe one or two, I'd say, in the last sort of 12, 13 years. And, you know, there's no news lines at all, or if there is, you're seizing on one line here and one line there. Um, there was multiple multiple lines you could pick out yesterday and really like you've just got to look at it and say uh so what is actually happening here like this is this is it's only it's only a committee meeting with the fei to discuss governance so it's not a trial but there was an element of irish football on trial with the whole thing and um there was a selected panel of people there 
some people who you're wondering why they were there at all. Like Rude Doctor is the high performance director of the FEI. He spent eight hours yesterday. Never sitting, got togged out. Spent eight hours sitting in the front row. I think even at one point he walked past. I was just asking, did he have a good day? And he sort of laughed a bit, you know. Like, it, it, you know, what, like he could have been better served elsewhere yesterday, mm. I would have thought. And, and you have this ludicrous uh, statement at the start listing achievements. Uh, so, so, so later on in the, in the gathering, we weren't allowed to say, uh, to ask specific questions maybe related to matters not related to public funding or not related to um, maybe financial governance matters. Yet for some reason, uh, what was introduced to the meeting at the start was such doozies as Ireland took six points from their recent games against Gibraltar and Georgia. And the women's team, all they had was, they're playing a game later this year. They've got a fixture. Well, there you go. have come a long way. Um, and, you know, Stephen Kenny's team beat Luxembourg. What if they'd lost then? Well, you know, what, what would have happened then? You know, Noel King's team... Took mm. four points last year. Like you know, you can't. You, that wouldn't exactly have worked as a thing. So just uh, before you went in, did you know that? Um, did you did you feel or did you have any inkling that Delaney was going to pull that statement where he said, "I'm not going to talk," basically, or was it a shock to everyone? Who I was think there? it was a surprise. I mean, it was a surprise to committee members because you're meant to present your statements on 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 Monday, um, and like I've I've no problem referring to them. I referred to this in my piece in the in the Independent today that after the first session, the first adjournment. One of the committee members did say they're acting the bollocks here. You know that was the thing. I think and it was a fair uh, idea who that might. Have yeah, been. and it was it was it was a. It was a I, I'm not sure if you do actually. I wouldn't be guessing. So right. uh, um, I don't think you do actually. But uh, it wasn't Jackie. It wasn't Michael Healy Ray. No, anyway. no. Um, but there was a there was a sort of a a belief that okay, that the, the, these were tactics, and I, that's how I sort mm. of put it. That they came in with tactics which which worked for a period of time. But Trying the, to keep the ball out of play. But as the day, yeah, as the day went on, they were you know the, the speech went on for a long period of time, and uh, as the day went on, it was um, just the, the silence from certain quarters was worse. And like to me, it was really illuminating. It was really informative because in in the afternoon there was some really direct. How it got better in the afternoon from the committee. The questions became shorter, a bit more probing, and um, the, their questions said everything. So even if the answers didn't necessarily weren't actually provided, the, the questions themselves were illuminating. And when they went beyond maybe Donald Conway, he was very well able to deal with a lot of questions coming his way and went to other members of the of the panel. Uh, the honorary treasurer the honorary treasurer really really struggling and you have this scenario where um, there's questions being asked to these people who are struggling really badly and it's hard to know how many and, bank accounts and, and, you have and, those, and there right? is and there is there is someone sitting there who might be able to shed some light on some of those questions and they have their own legal advice there Donald Conway did make it clear at times the association did not bring so there was someone there so so people around him were really like there was some questions where I'm not sure if it was visible on screen but there'd be like people looking at papers whispers notes you know oh and then, oh, actually, we can't really... This has nothing to do with public funding. We can't answer this question. Stuff that would interest people listening to this about, uh, you know, dispensation of, say, UA for prize money and stuff like that. Very pointed questions about that. Oh, can't really go there. We can't talk about that. Discomfort. Um, and that discomfort was projected onto uh, other members of the delegation who then ended, who they then ended up looking weak. Like, at one point, Frank Gavin starts talking about licensing licensing issues I mean Raya Walsh is there who actually has a key role in licensing a lot of the clubs who go into licensing will sit down across the table from her she didn't really interject at that point now it wasn't necessarily thrown to her and there is a formulaic aspect to that that it's hard for maybe someone to just butt in and say well actually that's my I, I deal with that a lot you know but um, the, the, the selective highlighting of certain achievements and then the refusal to talk about others told you a lot and um, to me you know, I've I've covered this Irish football beat for a long time, and uh, nothing that happened yesterday was really that surprising. Um, but it was still extraordinary. But it was extraordinary. It wasn't unbelievable. No, no, believable. Definitely mm. believable. But in in the that in a public setting, uh, and I think it was the Mel the Munster comment at one point that was effective. That uh, you know that it, that it's good that the public can see this, and I think that people who who Got, got through it. I think some people gave up at lunchtime. I even read some stuff today where people felt that the FBI came out of it on top. They were well on top at lunchtime, but they were hammered by the end, in my view. 
Um, Did because, John Delaney disgrace himself by not talking and kind of letting others take the flack? Well, I, I, I think I think the pitchers, as I said, were illuminating. I, I'd love to know what the other the other members of the delegation felt about that. You owed a lot of them a like, few points. The, the the scenario the the scenario that um, the scenario whereby people who weren't aware of the 100,000 issue. I think it's gone way beyond the 100,000, but that has been the catalyst for this. Um, people that... So, but yeah, this, this, this sort of... This sort of remarkable scenario that you couldn't believe it if it was if it was scripted. That that there's there's people who are admitting that they were board members who didn't know about this in 2017, taking the questions from all sides. Whereas the person who was at the centre of that particular transaction has just sat there with their own man that they've brought along, and then like yeah, this this absolute comedy where, where no one can have even. Uh, decide who signed off on a press release that was released. It was released in the. We were getting press releases every bloody day. Now maybe they sent out so many they forgot. that it's hard. We, we've all had this. Uh, mm. You know, sometimes like you could be very busy and you, you send out a lot of messages or emails in a particular day, and you may not just you, know, you the whole order of things. You might just get in a bit of a jumble over mm. the whole thing. But but generally with those things, I don't think like uh, I don't like a pigeon. Sends the sends the sends the signal to release the the press release. Like there's generally, you know, might be a message, discussion, conversation, you know, like they don't they don't they don't appear. Like I know robots are coming along to maybe take over from us all eventually. So unless there is some kind of there there are robots employed in Abbottstown that that actually perform functions, and that explains why no one can explain some of these functions. How long do you give the FAI board? <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like, we talked about this last week, maybe maybe two weeks ago. Predictions. I've heard all the predictions over the years. I never predict anything really. Um, um, I I I've probably felt throughout this that I can't see, um, this uh, things going back to normal as they were before with all the same people being there, even if they're in new positions or not. I think Sport Ireland cutting the funding went to another level because they can still pull that now and I think what happens I think a scrutiny is going to turn to sponsors and it's going to turn to other people and uh, they are it's it's true that committee can't regulate the FEI there's actually restrictions I mean government getting involved in, in football matters actually would pose you problems uh, they can only um, maybe raise some points but it, it probably does come from other power brokers and what I would say you know look about people listen people might look at this yesterday and go yeah this FEI board you know, you know this is Bizarre. I mean, that FBI board, as much as they've been there for a long time, and you can you can have your own innuendo about the whole thing. I mean, they still go through. It is right to point out that they go through a process of FEI council, and this is a League of Ireland podcast. So everyone that's involved and listening here will have someone at their club who, in some shape or form, either goes to council. They're involved, and all these people have gone to council meetings over. Uh, or gone to AGMs over the last decade. I know a lot of these faces to see. You see them afterwards. There's a bit of a ah, sure, you know, <laughs> what about that, you know? And a bit of a nod and a wink, and a bit of a yeah, yeah. But like, no one wants to. No one wants to stand up. No one can stand up. To, and maybe individually, they're all of their own stuff, and that's life. That's you know, this mm. is my field. Like that's Ireland, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, anyone who is unhappy can can maybe f- try and find out who who represents them. Who 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 looks after them, and uh, maybe says to them, "I actually don't want the next meeting or the next AGM to be like all the previous ones." I suppose it was just sad finally that um, watching this to think where the League of Ireland might be when you have buffoons like this running the game, and I think Stephen Henderson touched on that as well. It's quite sad that this has been allowed to go on for so yeah, long. Yeah, and I hope he doesn't get sanctioned for actually making mm. that point. Um, let's get some guests, Martin, but let's let's get some guests. Yeah. And welcome along to Owen Heary and Gary O'Neill. What's the crack, lads? Hi, Johnny. Thank you for having me. No bother, Owen. Hi, Johnny. Crack? Yeah, all good. All just, good. Just, to, just to mention, you are free not to say anything on legal advice for the rest of the show. You don't need to say anything, <laughs> actually. precluding you from further comment. I've uh, been waiting on that one all day. <laughs> all day. Yeah. Um, what have you made of the last 24 hours? Have you been keeping in touch with it, Owen? Or? Not really. Of bits and pieces. I mean, uh, you know, the fact that he's, he's come out and said no comment on all that stuff, I think it would have been better coming out and saying something at least about it, but... I agree with you on that because I think I know he's trying to suppress well he's obviously trying to not answer questions but he's come out very very badly by not and by leaving everyone else taking the flack yeah exactly and as I said he's obviously getting good advice not to say anything but if he touched on it some way that he could have made some sort of statement it probably would have been a lot better than saying nothing at all and you know and then leaving it to other people to 
to try to justify what's going on. What, what have you? What has your dealings been with the FEI throughout your career? What have you found the organisation? Because they came across so badly yesterday, it's not even true. Yeah, I mean, look, you you had good dealings with them, bad dealings with them. You know, it's it's a. Uh, I wouldn't say I'd like to say it's a big click, but um, you know, you you have a lot of people there in power and they've been there for a long time. So maybe it is time for for someone else to come in. Ideally, I'd love to see Noel come in step into that role and, and, and run the whole. Do you know him? I've I played against him once or twice in the hour 35, so we've had a few conversations, but, um, you know, he, he seems nice. He has a, an intelligent uh, way about him. He comes across very well, and I, I think he'd, he'd be more passionate about the, the job itself. I think, yeah, because I, I don't really, it's not maybe fair if you haven't been following it to just to ask people to get stuck into the nitty-gritty of it, but just as a general someone who's been involved in Irish football for your, pretty much your, your whole life, your whole adult life, and I saw Andy Myler, I think, saying something today, just like the fact that the FEI in Irish football has been in the headlines for the last three weeks in every context almost apart from football you know like you know who's yeah. who's doing this well and it's that. been his problem child as he said before yeah. isn't it the league of Ireland so yeah. I mean there, there hasn't been the financial backing was there at one stage and it's not and the amount of clubs that come into uh, you know with the, the less of money about their short wages and things mm. and it's just been problems after problems after problems with, once the FEOs took over the league and I think you know with the money he's earning you know, it's probably way too much, and yeah. but a lot of it could be going back into into clubs and yeah. grassroots of football. Yeah, and, and Gary, what is there? Are the players talking about it in general? Um, not really. No, um, I didn't really follow much at all yesterday. You know, the only thing I followed, I mean, Dan's Twitter account really. No, I wouldn't. Uh, just dance. <laughs> Nobody else. No, just follows <laughs> one person. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit weird. <laughs> Every time I see him, it's like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but no, in terms of in the change room stuff, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be much talk about. It. I'm sure Colleen. Reiner and Darren McNally usually probably have a few conversations about it, but in the change, it won't be much said at all. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, I think you're like for younger players in the league, you're you've other things, you know, you've other things to be doing yeah. to a degree. But I think it is more, you know, the at a, at a sort of senior level and managers and and people who've maybe encountered certain quirks of the FBI over the last period of time in terms of maybe if you're thinking about criticising the FAI in any shape or form, you're aware of sanctions that might come your way. I don't think that's unfair, I to say that. No, I, I, I've heard over throughout the years that if people have come out and said things and they've got letters sent out to them not to criticise mm. the FAI, which, you know, if you have that much power and you're able to, to you know, to come out with letters and things that to stop people giving opinions, and I think everyone's entitled to their opinion and they should be allowed to say things. But, yeah. you know, if you work for the for the federations, then it's, it's totally different, you know. Yeah. You can't come out and and be criticising them. But if you're not involved in it, then, you know, by all means, have an opinion. Yeah, and I think it's important to say, and we, I think we had Tom Owen and Jim Crawford in last week, that, like, you know, the, the, the FAI is not, the board is not the FAI. It shouldn't be. Like, there should be a separation. Um, and sometimes you're like, well, the FAI are this and that. And there's plenty of people in the FAI who are uh, doing good work for Irish football. There's plenty of people Definitely. within the FAI who I know. And, you know, you, you, you speak to people over the last period of time who would be, pretty unhappy with what's going on at the moment because they suffer because of it. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, people like, you know, radio shows, people like the FBI are a joke and if you're going around with an FBI tracksuit on and oh, you're you trying to do yeah, work... You get put into the, the, one, the one category. Everyone gets put in. As yeah. you said, there is people there doing good work behind the scenes, you know, they're not always at the front but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, John Delaney is obviously the head of the FBI so, mm. you know, he's going to get criticised and that's going to filter down throughout the whole FBI, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's where you hope there'll be some sense of accountability or responsibility what have you been up to on not much back playing over 35s uh, going out watching games and, and watching underage games and things like that and just keeping an eye on, on local football what about are you watching League of Ireland games uh, yeah, yeah caught a few but I'm also uh, as I say, going out watching underage you know that kids are coming up whether it's uh, 15s 19s games or just local games um, around the area so yeah trying to keep involved as much as I can and, mm. but less stress what's yeah. the 35 what's the 35 over 35 seem like because it's pretty competitive I know very people have got back into it very now in recent weeks yeah, yeah. we've uh, a couple of years ago we were playing 35s and you know you had Gary O'Neill Glenn Crow. we had a very mm. the very other Gary O'Neill yeah. Yeah. yeah the real Gary O'Neill yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh, we, had, we had a decent team and we went on we, we won uh, we won a lot of stuff that year and now it's the same you have a lot of players who are hitting their 35 mark and wanting to play but it's very competitive you know, mm. you think you're going out for a stroll, you know, just kick about. But 
all of a sudden a tackle comes in late and it's like someone that wanted to do you for the last two three I don't know years. you with the tackle coming in late to be fair no I try to stay back from all that now yeah. and just, uh, just enjoy the football oh, how do, what is the level like I mean are you yeah, coming across decent. a lot of yeah it's decent uh, ex-league of Ireland players on the other side or on your side or whatever yeah are, just over 25 so they're, mm. they're young players and still fit and still running around but um, it's enjoyable you know mm. I have to say I enjoy it mm. have you been missing the League of Ireland management I know um, there are obviously lots of kind of ex-managers out there who would like to get back in yeah I'm not missing it at the moment to be honest you know my Fridays are free and it's amazing when you're out the scene like it's it's less stress less you know having to tie yourself down to train on a Monday train Wednesday you're Friday and you're in Saturday you lose a game, the amount of stress you're under then the weekend, you know, thinking about the game. But uh, at the moment, as I said, I'm enjoying it. I'd like to get back into it eventually, but uh, just happy enough at the, at the moment, just watching games. What happened at the end of last season? I don't think we're talking to you since the draw of the game when uh, just things went very badly wrong and it looked like you were likely to win that game. Yeah, just look, you make uh, big decisions in, in games come along and unfortunately we two two players who made rash, rash decisions. They're not used to playing it. You know, a high level game, and Reese gets sent off, and then James English loses the head and gets sent off as well. But in fairness, the lads with nine men battled all the way, got the extra time, got the penalties, and we thought we might, you know, win on penalties, but unfortunately, we didn't. You know, we won on penalties the week before in the Leinster Cup final against Pats, and I think players, uh, you know, that week went the same side as they went the following week mm-hmm. and just got caught out with it. Did you, t- did you fear at that stage that you might be leaving? You knew there was obviously a board that was ambitious well, the, as well and all that. I, uh, I, sp- I spoke to, the, to Andrew the week, or the day after we played Drotland, and he said to me, you want Andrew me Doyle, there? isn't it? Yeah, he wanted me there, and I said, that's grand. And the following week, he's, uh, he's going a different direction. He t- he's telling me, so look, it's his club. He's entitled to do what he wants. Um, you know, he's telling me, as I said, one week, God, losing three games all year, some achievement and this, that, and the other, especially with no budget and we were bringing young players through. And then the following week, he wants to go a different way. So I can understand that. But I knew, I had a feeling behind the scenes, he was talking to the, the drop the manager at the time, Clancy, and he was looking to get him in while we were competing for the playoffs. So sort of had a feeling things weren't going right, like, you know. That, that's not great. No, it's not, especially when you're playing, you're playing Drogheda. Like, yeah. yeah, and he's, he's talking to him, but... Uh, and look, it's it's football. It's part and parcel of it. You know, the players are a little bit of gospel as well. But um, you know what happens? You move on. Do you worry now that we'll say from Sligo Bowes, like you came from Bowes to Sligo. Sligo didn't really work out. Shell didn't end great. Do you worry that people don't look at you maybe as they did when you were in the Bowes job because you should still be considered obviously a promising young man? No, I think if you if you look at it, um, Sligo job didn't go well. You know, hold my hands up on that. But I think the Shell's job did go well. Um, we got into the playoffs. We won the Leinster Cup two years in a row. We got a team that was competing. When I first went in, they lost 11, 12 games uh, in a season, you know, and we down to three games. Same budget as what Kevin was on or the previous managers, and we, we turned the, t- the team around. When we were playing, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd go down the goal and we wouldn't come back. You know, we turned that around as well, and we brought in some decent players. If you look, Shane Fardell coming through, you have Dale coming through, JR we brought in. Now they've gone the opposite way. they put a lot of money into it now. they brought in some very, very experienced players. And they've already lost three games in mm. six. So, I mean, I, th- I thought we were doing things right. But, you know, I, I can walk away and say I left the club in a better place than when I first took her over. So, mm-hmm. happy enough with are, are you open to getting back in? Like, you I mean, if something come up, would you go right? Or are you taking a bit of time? No, I'd, I'd like to get back in eventually. Yeah. 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 As I say, you, you keep an eye on, on the games. Like, I still want Shells to go up. I'm surprised themselves and Bray doing a lot better than, mm-hmm. than you know, what they are at the moment. But I'm sure that'll come good. Yeah, it's strange because Shell's made all them signings, Gary, but um, it's not an automatic that you know you bring in experienced players. The first division is quite competitive, as you would know as well. Yeah, it's very good. Um, we've played Shell's twice already this season, and they kind of strike me to be a team that's very individualised at the moment. There's not much structure to them, and that's the, the kind of vibe I got of playing them twice mm. now. We played them in pre-season, which is a bit of a, as you know, just a pre-season friendly. There wasn't much tempo to the game, but we played them on Tuesday night in the EA Sports Cup and they had their strongest 11 out with the exception of Conan Byrne maybe and again it was kind of a team of a lot of individuals didn't really know what they were you know as a team their structure wasn't great and we beat them 2-1 with a lot of our fringe players playing but after going a goal down yeah after going a goal down as well Um, but I, I, I do think they'll get it right I, I think that there's enough characters in that change room there's enough enough experience in that changing room to, to turn it around definitely mm. uh, what about UCD some win at the weekend um, you hit the bar obviously from a free kick um, but was it possibly your best game of the season yourself individually so far um, I think so yeah I think it was fair to say it was my best yeah um, I've been okay you know I've been 
as a 24-year-old and being probably the oldest in the team and trying to you know, bring that consistency into my game now. The oldest in the team at 24, yeah. 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 And, you know, a lot I wouldn't mind being 24. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of the younger lads, you know, sometimes you get with younger players is, is an inconsistency. So at 24, you know, being the oldest and trying to bring consistency to my game. But yeah, I thought it was probably my best performance of the season, definitely. Oh, and what did you make of them last year? You would have been... I do. Very good. Yeah. I, I hated him when he played against us. Boy. He's the most frustrating player looking at him because he was able to dictate the play and control midfield for you know against us. And he always played it with a smile on his face, smirking over at you. And one of them where you're looking <laughs> smile or a smirk? <laughs> smirk, I think, at me. But, uh, <laughs> okay, but what were you saying to him to get that smirk? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was saying, but it felt like going on and, and chasing after himself. What would Owen Hiri, yeah, what would Owen Hiri, the player, have done if Gary O'Neill's on the pitch? I just hold Glenn Cronin to get after him. I was just <laughs> yeah. going to say. Or Jim Crawford. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, no, we, I mean, they were very good. They were a good team, organised, you know, young players, but totally fitness-wise, they, they were probably far and on beyond most teams. And, you know, deservedly won it in the end. And, um, you know, we, we kept thinking during the season that a few players would be taken, you know, left, right and centre and they might weaken them, but it didn't, you know. That, that's what I was going to say from the position of, like, that opposition manager and, you, like, you see at, at a good start, but did, did you just think, ah, listen, over time, they'll have those problems or did you realise early on, no, they are no, the threat, we, they yeah, are the they team. Are the yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we played them the, f- the very first game of the season and they beat us 2-1 out there and you could see then that they've been together you know, mm. I think it was two, three years, but they also have the the cup competitions before they're coming into the season. You say, right, they're going to get a good start, try to stay with them. And we were hoping then the likes of Gary get taken by one of the bigger teams and Greg and Maxi, and you're, you're, you're clutching their straws when you want these players yeah. taken. But they have good replacements to come in as well. So uh, overall, as I said, they, they well deserve to win it. And, you know, I was talking to Gary downstairs about uh, winning the weekend as well for once. It takes them out of relegation zone and it gives them a good chance of maybe mm. staying up. Yeah, I, d- I don't know if even... What, what are the ambitions for you this season? Because you're kind of not playing like a team that should really even be down there at the moment. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think just going off the first round of features now that they're, that they're finished, I kind of think that our objectives might have changed a little bit. I think yeah. at the start of the season, you probably would have looked at it and said, you know, you, you, we probably will be down there with Harps and it might be between the two of us. But from playing against everyone, I think that we might have to reevaluate that now. Yeah, and what's do you talk about that or do you kind of just take each game as it comes? Yeah, we do talk about it. We had a meeting last night in training with uh, Colleen, being the tech wizard that he is, had a, a PowerPoint presentation up of expected points that we could take from this and you know, teams that we should be taking three from. And so our objective has definitely been reevaluated. So we'll Well, none of your players have played in the Premier Division before. Not no. one apart from Evan Ozam who's injured. Yeah. You're 24, you're the eldest. So you're thinking after eight games, you're, you're, that, that improvement is actually quite clear already. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, when we were coming into the season, it was, you, know, you had players coming from... I think we were lucky enough over the last few years that if we had lads coming up from the 90s that they were able to go into a First Division and First Division was predominantly a very young league at the time. Mm. Whereas now you're getting Mark Dignam, who's played every game for us at left back, who's just come from 19 straight into the Premier Division. So, at the start of the season, you're kind of thinking, you know, how are these lads going to is it going to sink? Is it going to swim? And now you look at it now, and we've played against everyone, and I think we've been apart from Shamrock Rovers game, we've been competitive in in every game. Is that anything that's that is surprised? I know it's a very obvious question, you know, to step up, and I'm sure things happen quicker and so on. But is there anything that surprised you about the Premier Division because you hadn't played in it before? Um, mistakes. Any mistake you give me, you make, you get punished. That's why we found as a change room, mm. as a, in a as a team, we played Derry first game of the season. I don't know if you saw the goals that we conceded, but they were, one of them was yeah, there was a comedy, comical, yeah. yeah. And then there was there was another few. There was one the following week against Bowes. We, we gave the ball away in midfield. One player didn't track, and it was one nil. Mandre put one in the top corner mm. just from a mistake, and that's what the the biggest thing I found anyway. Definitely is any mistake you make, you're going to get punished. Where you might get away with it when you're playing the. No disrespect to the Wexfords and the, and the Coves of this world. Yeah, because the, the the mindset, I mean, we've had Collie in and he was never going to change his principles, but when you've gone to, say, Rovers away and Dundalk away, just spring to mind as two of the toughest games you might have. I mean, have you tweaked your approach in any way? Have you have you learned from any of those games? Because obviously it sounds like you were competitive enough, but you still got done. You know, you still yeah, got beaten. exactly. Yeah, we, well, the Dundalk game was, was more was much the same what we've always done really. I think we, we went one up there and we were playing really, really well. So we kinda you know, kinda maybe got our tails up a little bit mm. and they were missing Benson and McElhaney that night obviously and we kinda thought they were a little bit vulnerable but they you know, the second half they scored two to be us two one. The Shamrock Rovers game we, we changed completely. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, we changed completely. We started the game as you would, we were trying to press them and they were just too good. They played 
I've never seen anything like that. They had Bolger, Finn, McInef in the middle, Dylan Watts left, Jack Byrne right, right, right. So they had no wingers. Mm. So the middle of the pitch was so congested, they were just popping it around us. So we just had to go 4-5-1, just let them have it in front of us. And then, but it was the first time in five years I've been here that we've ever let a team have the ball. You know, usually mm. we're trying to get after teams and, and they were just too good for us. Just yeah. on that, That's how would you compare the two yeah. actually now? Dundalk and Rovers. Um, the, I just said the one downstairs. Rovers for me were, were by far the best I've played against this year. Mm. They were just we couldn't get anywhere near them. They were just excellent. Just players coming in from pockets there. Their understanding of the game. You know, even Aaron Green probably every time I've played against Green, he's always been a winger, and he's playing on front now. And he's dropping into pockets, and it was just so hard to pick up. We couldn't get anywhere near them. And did the narrative change last weekend, Dan? In what sense? In terms oh, of the, the title, title race. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that was a massive statement win for. Down in Cork, I'm sure you've been involved in wins in Cork, and there's just something about that, you know, going mm. down to Turner's Cross Owen. And it's, you know, I remember good shells, so I remember some big shells wins down there, and there's almost a sense of, I think Rovers needed to cross that threshold. They didn't, they've had big wins at times in recent years. They, they won up in Dundalk with a last pe- late penalty last year, and there's, there's games you can pick out, but they boxed that like you, well, well, it's not even that, it's yeah. that they were coming into a run when they their season was gone the so with the classic horse finishing late you know mm. and you know to, to be third or something whereas with the with the eyes on them last week real pressure on yeah, them yeah it was a test for D- them that, they passed yeah. it didn't they yeah. did you oh, watch definitely. that game actually no I, I didn't but I spoke to Glenn Crown at the start of the year as well you know about what they're looking to do this year and you know even saying to him then they won't have a better opportunity than to finish in the in the top three or in between the top two than this year and I think with, with Cork struggling at the moment and Dundalk with Stephen gone gives them that opportunity to actually finish top, you know. And I think with their, how they're playing, they've a lot of talent, t- very talented midfielders. And I yeah. think maybe they're lacking the centre forward, but they might get that in, you know. Yeah, well, there's a chance, there's a chance they might. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with, with if the new funding comes in, which seems like it's it's, it's possible. It's, it's a mad thing though. Aaron Green still isn't really scoring, and yet they're what like they're gone ten points ahead of them off with two games. But I, I find it interesting what Gary said because what you described there some people might have looked at as a weakness. You know, the lack of width that they have on the side. Because in pre-season, I remember going to watch them, I think it was Brentford B, and I think they sort of played that way. Or actually, it might have been Kustrain who actually played on the right. It was maybe a bit yeah, more, of a, came on against a, bit more yeah, of a winger. But, but they had Jack Byrne narrow left-sided that day. And you're thinking, yeah, so teams are going to stretch them at some point. But it seems like their quality is allowing them to keep the ball. So it's not actually an issue. You yeah, know, exactly. they're good enough. We, tr- we tried to press them early on in the game. We couldn't get near them. We tried to sit off them then after about, we actually equalised. And when we equalised, we said, right, let's see what we can do here. Can we hold it and, and mm. go with a five across the middle? But we still, you know, they're still so good that they still just managed to pick you off. And I know at the moment it looks like that they might fall down by not having a number nine, but the, the amount of goals that they're getting from midfield mm. is, is frightening. But McInef and, and Jack Burns obviously got a few. Dylan Watts capable of scoring goals. Finn's capable of scoring goals. So It's mad when you... List the names. We were both at um, Inchicor, Dan, but just getting back to that Cork game, um, I've seen the last two Cork games because they were both live. There's something seriously wrong there. They're, they, they've just produced two absolutely insipid performances. Again, they had no chances, really. Two games where they've virtually no chance. They got a fluke for goal, and I, I know you didn't see the game on, but it just looks like. It just looks like there's something seriously wrong with Cork, and that's the only thing I'd say about Rovers winning down there. There wasn't much of a fight against them. Yeah, well, I mean, Cork have been up there thereabouts in the last couple of seasons, and you know, rightly so. That I don't understand why they've dropped off so much. Normally, you'd expect maybe a blip to it, but they'd start hitting form, and they've lost four games. Yeah, four already, and you can't see a team losing four games in the season and going on to to win this, to win the league. Like you know, not to say that they can't do it, but you'd have to basically win every game and hope other teams slip up along mm-hmm. the way. And I and I know it's early at this stage, but you know, I'm sure it's, it's worrying for John because he uh, coming into Europe and. You know, wanting to get a good run and stay at the top top end of the table, it's going to be tough for him. What do you make of Dundalk and Pats, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I said we were both there. Um, I mean, it was it was a dreadful own goal by Cleary. I, I thought at the time, I don't. I thought Dundalk were reasonably comfortable at the time without being impressive in any way. You know, they were sort of. I wouldn't. <laughs> sounds a bit obvious. I think I would have finished nil all if the, the own goal hadn't got in. Well, I mean, that's 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 a good point. You know, and finished one nil. So, uh, mm. but I, you know, I don't. I, the Pats weren't really threatening attacking wise at that point. For all the Pats had done well and they'd been competitive and they'd maybe had lifted it a level by the sounds of it from recent weeks. And certainly speaking to Pats fans, they were very happy with what they saw in terms of endeavour. And actually, Pats probably have a bit of the thing. They have a lot of central midfield players, but it's just not flowing as well as it is for Rovers. And there was elements of that as well. Like they weren't, it wasn't necessarily they were pinging the ball around and 
playing fantastically well, but the Dock were poor. The Dock were really just the first time when I mean, it's their first defeat. But I mean, against Cork the week before, missing their the three midfielders, they were good. But Pat sort of exposed maybe some weaknesses that are there, and they got Murray and McGrath going the other way, and uh, and maybe Sean Hoare, who's who's definitely a very talented player, but actually as that sort of that position that you would know well, Gary, he just couldn't he couldn't get things going, and I know it was raining and all that. There was a bit of the conditions, but. They just so Pat sort of not overpowered them, but just got really found some weaknesses in the dog that maybe other teams mm. haven't. Although I think other teams have in periods of games done well against them, as UCD did and other sides did. And I know that the players are on their way back. I think when I think when they do have Benson and McElhenney and Shields back, I think they will be they'll be a different side. Um, but I mean the pace that Rovers are picking up points. I know they've played two games more, um, and you know the dog have one of their games in hand. At home to Bowes next week, which is that's you know next Monday I think it is. Like that's that's a challenging challenging game for them. You know they really need to. You're t- you're getting into territory now where the Dock need to start winning matches. You know they've put a bit of pressure on themselves now. I know you've been involved in league title wins. You don't want to get carried away and building pressure on things too early. Like I'm thinking of shells the year you had when you brought in, was it Glenn Crow and Jason Byrne? And you, I think you started badly that year and you were sort of playing catch-up. And then you can get short into... Short season. Yeah. And you, short yeah, season, yeah. But like, you, you know, it's, it's, you, experienced heads that have won leagues before will be saying, there's no need to panic, you know. Mm. But Rovers are, <laughs> they don't look like they're coming back. So there comes yeah. a point where the dog now need to start well, picking up some points. Against, yeah, they have know? to win games because you say, look, Rovers have the points on the board. Yeah. You know, if the dog don't win that game in hand, then there's a bit of a gap opening up already and, Rovers don't look like they're letting up at the moment, anyway. No, no, it is it is a big month for Rovers, as we said, but uh, and they do have a tough. The frightening run. thing is, Dan, they've, they, none of their strikers have started at yeah. all yet. Like Aaron Green is, has missed, I'd say, about five times as many chances as he scored this season. He hasn't. What has he got? Two or three goals, mm, mm. and that's the frightening thing for the rivals. The one thing was, like, he, at least he scored against them, which not many have and it was it was actually a bad goal from them defensively but we haven't seen much of that from Rovers yeah I think it was the first goal they've I didn't actually in see in open it. play open yeah. play yeah. the first goal they conceded yeah it was probably if you're looking at it from their point of view it was a very bad goal to concede but that was the literally the only chance that we had in the whole game to be honest even when we took it but what do you make of the race for third and fourth if that's what we're talking because it looks I can predict it at the moment I don't think Cork are in any way definitely no. finishing third or fourth the way they're playing and that could be a bit of pressure what have you made of Pats Gary I mean you mm. obviously had the, was a draw against them in yeah the, we in drew one all I thought they were good though I thought they were decent I think like you say they were again that night they were stacked with midfielders you know Forrester played off the mm. left um, I think Mila played off the right so they were you know, a lot of, a lot of talented lads McCabe and Clifford and Jamie Lennon obviously McCabe, the, Clifford yeah. and Lennon were the yeah. three in midfield yeah, and Drennan up front obviously but I think in recent weeks they've kind of gone with Dean Clark I think it's been played out wide which gives them a bit he more was out on Friday he, he wasn't out, was so he? they, they yeah. went back to the three at the back on, on, injuries, on Friday but. just with the way it was um, but Forrester almost is the second striker, but he wasn't, you know. The Played way. a bit better, Dan, as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, he, he had moments, definitely. Mm. Where he, I mean, you would have worked with a young Forrester, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, Bowles. That yeah. Bowles for us, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he, he he does look a bit off it, but he's he's getting back, and you know what a talent he, he yeah, is, he, you know. I mean, he's, he had a lot going on this year as well. Of course. Family I think and things you have to be that. conscious and, uh, of that, yeah. You know, as I said, he's come back from Scotland, so just taking a bit of time. But he, look, he's, he's a talented player, as we said, and he won't lose that. He just probably needs to get his head right, mm. and you know, and get back to enjoying football. And once he does that, then he'd be flying again. And I think Harry probably has taken the decision to stick with him when there's an argument for taking him out of the team. But I think there's an element of, and maybe you have that with a player that you know it's there, and if he needs to build his confidence, you might need to maybe put him into games where it might be hard for him but it'll get the benefit yeah, eventually I mean, you know you take him out you drop him his confidence could be shattered Absolutely. altogether and you yeah. won't have that player you know for the rest of the season so he's right to stick with him because we've all seen his ability we all know he has ability he's not a fella that's going out partying all the time or mm. anything like that he's a good head on his shoulders as I said he's a few family problems this year and uh, I think he'll, uh, he'll come good towards the end of the season I actually mentioned Chris uh, specifically to Gerald Ryan after the game and he spoke to me for a few minutes you must be absolutely delighted with that, particularly in light of the fact that you've just gone so long with a win in a bloody game. Yeah, um, last few weeks have been very frustrating. We haven't actually played too badly, but we do set our standards quite high with the group that we have and we're probably uh, flattered to, to see, achieve what we set out to be, do at this moment in time. Um, but we went back to basics this week, to be honest with you, uh, when the champions rolled into town. Um, 
you know, we've been giving away goals and even in the League Cup again the other day, a set piece and a mistake uh, at the back. So we kind of shored it up. We went back to the tree like we did earlier on the season against Cork. And we kind of knew that it's, it's probably a little bit more the case of trying to be more solid and kind of give up a little bit more of our attack and stuff and then focus on more of a clean sheet and being solid and, and sneak a goal. And we did that, but I thought we did okay. I thought we had a couple of chances. Chris could have probably killed off a game at a crucial time. Um, and I suppose uh, a clean sheet against Sundalk is a, is a decent result. And... You know, it's it's a much needed win. What I thought was intriguing was they targeted you out wide, but your midfield dominated the game. Yeah, well, we knew we'd be strong centre, and Chris would always naturally drop back into the midfield anyway. So we knew we could have an overload in there with four against them. And in fairness to, to Duffy and Kelly, they're now wingers, so we kind of looked at that and said they probably won't tuck in as much. And we grew into the game. Probably we gave them a little bit of respect too much at the start, but we got into it a little bit. We worked on getting runners beyond Gary Shaw as well, which obviously led to the goal. But I think overall, you know, they have so many good players that you have to give them that respect. But I think we kept them fairly quiet tonight. They had one good chance from a break in the first half. Uh, they obviously, the last kick of the game, they could have snuck it from a flick. That would have been so. a killer. Yeah, it would have been. But we probably drew that little bit of luck over the last few weeks. So I think overall, it's hard until you reflect back and, and watch the game back. But it certainly felt like we did, certainly didn't deserve to lose the game or anything like that. Whether a draw, I'm not sure they'd done enough. Um, they play a lot of direct stuff up the hole, and he's so good with his link play and stuff like that. So ultimately uh, we kept them fairly quiet I suppose Your midfield three I thought um, you know it was hard to pick a man of the match but it would have come from one of those three Yeah uh, Jamie's been kind of uh, grown into that role more and more and he went away to the 21s and we left him out last week um, and he's come in tonight I thought he was exceptional Reese McKay is probably his best game for us and Connor Clifford has just given us so much energy and you know he, he, the amount of second phases that he won from knockdowns and winning and it's probably one thing that Dundalk have been uh, synonymous with the last few years is their midfielders and you know they still have three fantastic midfielders there but we knew that we could kind of if we, with the likes of Chris coming in to help as well that we could kind of get on top there and um, but the three boys were excellent but to a man I thought Gary Shaw's his first start as well in the league worked his socks off yeah, he did, didn't get yeah. much from the referee I thought either no he didn't in fairness but um, ah, it's that type of game we, we probably brought it to a scrap a little bit but um, I think overall We've got to be pleased. It's it's back to a clean sheet, a much-needed clean sheet, and a very, very important three points for us. Better signs from Chris Forrester as well. Yeah, I think people need to to just... You know, in, in camp, we know what Chris is capable of. I think everyone does, and everyone's just expecting Chris just to flick a switch and go on, but he's had such a rough few months off the pitch, um, you know, in his personal life as well. And he was sitting on a bench, you know... Not, not training over in Aberdeen and I think his fitness obviously struggled and he came in at a time where we were kind of hitting you know at peak at air fitness in pre-season and he was so far behind and it's he's getting there like you know what I mean but you're seeing tonight the flashes I thought it's torn a pace at times and it's tackling on the edge of the box he, he obviously broke through got a shot but um Chris will be fine, you know, the quality will always come through with that. He just needs a little bit more time to kind of get there, but we'll give him that, doesn't matter. Just finally, with regards to yourselves, you know, you've you got to be thinking at least you can challenge for top four looking at that performance tonight and earlier in the season, how well you played against Cork. I mean, listen, 100%, just because of the way the league table is at the moment, it's going to be very tight because of the way, because of the way that there's so many good teams that's going to be looking. You probably, obviously, Rovers are out in front now, but I'm sure Dundalk will reel them in as much as they can. Cork, uh, Waterford, ourselves, Derry, Bowes are going well. So, and UCD are, are, are playing really well and starting to pick up results. So, it's a tough league. That's what you get in a 10 team league. Nobody very rarely gets cast adrift. And it's just important that you just get on some sort of a run. We went on the opposite. We, we went on a three-game run, and all of a sudden you're looking and you're saying, geez, this gap's starting to appear. Now if we can put two or three games together, all of a sudden, because of how congested the fixture list is, and that if you're positive in your results, all of a sudden you could be sitting pretty. But with the group we have and the quality that we have, we certainly need to be up in and around that area. Thanks for your time. No problem, John. Just, just moving on to another game, um, you mentioned the English tackle that was critical in your game against Drogheda, and I, I don't know as a manager, what Colin DC did in the Harps, Derry game, I literally would be, literally, pack your bags, I don't want you playing for this club, they needed a result in this, and he, he literally went to de- practically decapitate a lad, it was a disgraceful tackle, and it was nil all in a derby game that they could have won. There's, n- there's nothing worse, I mean, it's that we were down to 10 men at the time, still in the game, uh, we won it up from the first leg, and you know, as I said, one odd saying, grand, just keep, because we were going to create chances. And then all of a sudden he goes in two foot to fella and 
I think it's horrendous. I think it's a coward's tackle. You know, I don't agree with it. By all means, go in hard, go in fair. And, you know, and if someone gets hurt, granted, this is a f if honest, fair tackle. But when you go in and do that, it's absolutely mind-boggling. Why do you do it? Well, um, we, had, we had Jake Hyland sitting in this seat. Not yeah, I mean, ago, and I, I only coming Jake, back last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I brought Jake through the, through the bowl set up as well. And, um, you he know, was eight hours in hospital with a broken leg after that. Yeah, absolutely horrendous tackle. And after the match, I threw the two of them out of, out of the dressing room because I couldn't look at him, you know, for what he'd done. So, you know, they went there, and especially for the effort the other lads put in. But, as I said, I have no problem with a fair tackle. I've seen this man beside me carry put in a fair few of them, and sometimes you feel it going on and, and kicking them yourself when you see them. But professionalism, good, though, like, you know, if, you, yeah. if you look at har harps, are in massive trouble at the moment. They, they look to me, it looks hopeless nearly for them, but it looks all the more hopeless because they lost this game, and that's a game, a derby game, they could have won. Yeah. Um, I, like, as a captain, I, I don't know how I deal with something like that, Gary. Yeah, I was actually surprised, you know, I've, I've been around the league five years now and I've played against DC nearly every year and it's not like him as a, as a player he's actually a lovely lad and when I saw the tackle after the game one of the lads had said it in the changing room and he just can't there's no argument for it whatsoever what about the Ronan Murray throwing the ball to the referee then in the yeah. Another, it's nil all yeah. um, the game's Sligo could do with points and then you throw the ball to the referee yeah. Yeah. He, I mean you could see he almost walked off straight away yeah. he, knew, he knew what he'd done didn't like he, he seemed like, a great lad but that's, like that's just, just a, that's a that's a I think there's a difference between that though. Like that's a that was a self-inflicted wound. He could you get know. a bigger band than DC. He could, well, the, yeah, well, they're, they're changing all these rules to do with you know treatment of referees and stuff at the moment. And like Drennan got an extra two games uh, for his conduct around his sending off. And there's been a big change in directives at FEI level to do with protection of referees. So I don't want to speculate what what would happen, Ronan Murray, but certainly he's not going to. Mm. I would say he's not going to. He's not going to get a, a generous sanction. You know mm. what I mean? Uh, yeah, I don't think you, you look. UCD's record over the last couple of years, you know, have been excellent in, in terms of yellow cards and fair Got play. Got into Europe because of fair yeah, play. Yeah, but also because when things aren't going right for them, they still keep their composure. They don't lose their heads. They're they young lads. And that's what, yeah. that's what I'm saying. That you'd expect them to lose it more. And that's the experienced lads in the league. You know, the reason why they're at the top is because of our discipline and how they keep coping, especially under pressure. And, mm. you know, UCD, that might help them this season as well because they don't panic under pressure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so probably yeah. get sent off this week. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Harps fan, are you yeah. panicking at the moment, Dan? Oh, you would be, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and as I mean, it was Kieran Call, an ex-Harps player. And, I mean, but DC wasn't there last year, you know, but it's just, it's just a... You know the, the whole episode was a was a bit baffling. Um, yeah, I think it would be. I mean, I, I I don't know. I think Harps fans are probably realistic enough with their expectations as well that I I don't think they're getting carried away and assuming that they're going to come up and like it's it's pretty obvious. Like their situation, we spoke about it before, where if some players training in Dublin during the week or training wherever and going up to play with them, they are at a disadvantage, you know. And I mean, they're in a bad enough place as it is now. I know they don't have the game on Monday because they they played Rovers. Oh, sorry, they played they played Rovers previously, but um, the, the the schedule coming up isn't going to be kind on them. Uh, and we've spoke before, and I mean, you, you lads are together every day at UCD, Gary. You know, you may not be budget wise, but at least you have that understanding that yeah. own reference is almost as Collie said, you're a full time club and, and everything but name really. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we're training obviously Monday night, and we all of a gym session together on a Tuesday. Yesterday we trained, then we had a, a PowerPoint presentation after. Then today, the lads will meet up and do... Because everyone's obviously... Around. Forget about training yeah. and gym. We're all on campus together. So, you know, we'll yeah. probably meet up later on and have a cup of tea and a chat. And it's, it's almost like a full-time club. Yeah. Really. It is a full-time uh, club. So, like, the fixture schedule coming up wouldn't necessarily... In you know, intimidate you in terms of like you'll be able to manage your recovery and all yeah. what you need to do. You'll all be together as yeah, such, you exactly. know? Yeah, exactly. The only thing that probably we have what no one else has then is the exam period. Oh, yeah. We'll probably struggle this time... More than most because of <laughs> because of uh, the the, the fixture schedule, you know, the, the the Friday Monday we've never really done that being in the, in the, first in the Premier. Season. Okay, that is going to, really so, going to be something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the, with the exam period, is that everyone affected? Pretty much. Um, everyone yeah, yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone's in in college. Yeah, every, I think four or five in their final year now. So right, yeah. it'll be it'll be tough. Ah, they're not going to fail you. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. They can. It's like come really on, surely they can have a few that no. can have a word. You know, oh, Owen was making pointing and gestures. The one worry for you lads might be in July. Because like, you have players that are just going to create headlines now. Obviously, Farouja, yourself, Scales, to name but three. Um, who could leave, or is that a worry within the squad? It's like some maybe the the thing that they're not speak its name. Yeah, it's, I think it's something that's never going to change. Really, I think you know. I heard Colin on this podcast not too long ago, and he said that 
you know, it's just always going to be a thing for as long as it used to the be vultures. young players. The vultures. Do you get, do you get strange phone calls from unknown numbers, Gary? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um, I think uh, Neil Farouge is one that is, will, I can't see him going anywhere because he has another year left in college and he's very determined to finish his degree. You know, he's like that. Scales? Scales is finished in, in, in May, so um, I'm not too sure what, what Limo's. I can't imagine he'll how, be short of offers. How, yeah, how good is he? Ah, he's unbelievable. He can he can do it, go anywhere he wants. I'd imagine he's unbelievable. Um, it was the Bulls game. He went on a 50 yard run and Pats, nearly scored. That was Pat's, Pat's game. Yeah. yeah, he got an assist in the Pat's game. He's yeah, he's brilliant. He can do everything. I think Josh beside him. Josh for me doesn't get enough credit either. I think Josh is brilliant and they they complement each other really well. But you know Limo being around the 21 squad now and. He's making great headlines. I can't see him being short of any. You office. must be delighted in the way you say it, because I know you could have probably gone somewhere else in the off season, but this it just seems to be a good squad there at the moment. Yeah, it? it's brilliant. It's it's really good. Um, we've obviously lost over the last few years, Georgie, Maxi, Craig, Dara, just to name a few. So the squad depth maybe has taken a little hit, but the the lads that we have are you know, just brilliant and mm. and really really enjoyable. Yeah, I, lo- I love how Gary skillfully didn't mention that you finished yourself in the summer, right? So yeah, I'm finished. In, in the summer, so my fifth year at UCD, you know, so I'll I stayed for five years in UCD as well. But a fifth year, it's just like <laughs> you're you know, washed up. Yeah. You're looking at you're looking at stuff around campus, and you're like, oh, like time to move why on. We're still here, you yeah. know. Not putting pressure on Gary here, but you know, it's like uh, uh, to be clear, I wasn't playing football for UCD at the time. I was just like yeah. in the shooting bar, like you know, what I mean, but still, <laughs> but 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 still, like you know, you the come to you bar. come to a stage, like you know, yeah, it's going to come a day where I'm going to have to leave eventually. Obviously, um, I'm not too sure when that's going to be, whether it'll be the summer or, or the end of the season, but. Is there a party that wants to see out the season in some degree? But I know it's your livelihood, so it's a different. Yeah, you know, you have to be realistic as uh, well. I'll be honest, and it might sound stupid to say, I actually haven't really thought about when mm. I'm going to leave or, or, or you know why I would leave. But I know there's going to be a time. I've been five years, and it's kind of unheard of for a player to stay with UCD for five years. So it's going to be a time where I am going to have to try and better myself and and push myself onto the next level and. It's something that I'm looking forward to, but it's not something that I've actually thought about as of right now. Mm. I, I, as ridiculous as it sounds, I don't think you could be a million miles off finishing fourth if you improve a lot because you've a lot of talent in that team. This it's so open, genuinely. Like this, you're a blank canvas in terms of the young players you have. Yeah, I think like I just touched on there, it might be the only thing that might hold us back. It just might be the depth. Not to say that the lads on the bench aren't, aren't good enough; they're more than good enough. It's just the experience at this level. You know, I think if either Liam Scales or Josh Collins went down, we have two lads who have never played. Premier Division or First Division football before, yeah. so yeah. throw them in the deep end against you know the likes of Pat Hoban and these boys who are you know the unbelievable players and might not that they're not good enough. I I know that they'll have great careers, but just as of right now, the depth might be the only thing that holds us back. Yeah, I see. I think you know you, you mentioned the fourth place, John. Well, I mean, for, firstly, we should mention the Bows are second. I would say you know with seventeen points and uh, I mean they obviously had a very another another big win at the weekend. Um, but they're not going away. Bow's own, like you know, they're no, sort I, of. I think that, you know, people, most people tipped them to to be in the relegation battle this year. But I, I didn't think so. I mean, they've have a, a good structure there. They still have some good quality players that they've had over the last couple of seasons. And even when uh, Shane stepped down and another keeper come in, like mm. that, he's uh, he's Talbot, yeah, yeah, he's, Talbot, Talbot, yeah. he's a good keeper. You know, mm. he's very good. And again, but they're not conceding many goals. And you're not conceding goals, and you're working hard as a unit of every chance of winning. And just what Gary said earlier that they were conceding silly goals. Bows mm. aren't doing that, you know. And uh, you see, Dinny, you know, three goals conceded that. from yeah, Bows this season. The best defensive record. We talk about. We've actually talked about the Rovers' defence in this show a lot, but Bows have conceded fewer goals. Yeah, with an entirely yeah, new back yeah. two, like centre backs. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you, but and you still keeper. have Derek Pender there. You still have you know other experienced players. And as I said, with a new keeper, you were expecting that they might be a little bit more offensive because of it. And it's shown like that they're keeping clean sheets. They only conceded three goals and they're winning games. And that comes down to the hard work that Keith has done. Well, I suppose if you look at it, I mean, okay, I think you'd expect Rovers and Dundalk are going to be in the top four. Okay, you know, they're going to be the top two. I think there's a very good chance at this stage. And I still have a feeling the Cork will get back up the table, but there's certainly opportunity there. I mean, Waterford, you played Waterford at the weekend, Gary. Like Waterford, who, who finished in the top four and finished in Europe last year, sort of a bit flaky this year. You know, I'm looking here, I mean, they have scored 12 goals actually. Uh, which is like eight, eight more than Pats who are ahead of them in the table. But the thing is, they've conceded thirteen. I mean, what were your impressions of them? Because they they seem like they might have, um, I don't know, maybe gone back. Although you did beat them in the cup last year, I suppose as yeah, well. Yeah, I thought we got them on a good night on Friday. I don't think they'll be that bad again this season. I, I, I think we were very, very good. But I thought that they were pouring the night in the pitch. 
I know it worked all right for us, but the pitch and the ball on Friday night was horrendous. Right. Two rugby games was it? The two yeah, days two before? two rugby games on a Thursday. Um, I think they I think they are a good side. I think mm. they have a lot of very good young players, and obviously with young players, obviously comes inconsistency. Whereas they mightn't have had that last year with the likes of I don't know Heary didn't even start against us on Friday. Heary flying last year, Abora, mm-hmm. all yeah. these lads. <laughs> Yeah, that's Bastian. Was it yeah, that's too old. Bastian, yeah. um, Harry, your own Harry. You know, going to poll. What's your favourite favourite League of Ireland, Harry or Harry? Different Barnets, anyway. Yeah. But, um, oh, it's Johnny. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of the Johnny's getting a bit light on top yeah, as well. I am. You know, as he leans down. Yeah. I am. I might have to go with the shaved head route, like you on. Yeah. 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 It's hard to shave there at the back now. Yeah. A little bald spot. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what'll happen? Um, is it time to talk about the weekend's games? It probably is a thing, John. Yeah. yeah. Cork, same Pats. Well, actually, before that, I was going to ask Owen because um, uh, Gary mentioned there about you know Liam Scales hitting challenging you know Pat, players like Pat Hoobin and the challenge they present. Owen, who are the players in the league at the moment that you would admire that you would look at and say, yeah, we'd like to have, have them in our shells dressing room. God, it's it's hard to say. Like you know, um, I often say how many players would have got into mm. the, the shells team back then. And you know, on a bigger murder, Gary, I'm not just saying it because he's here, but I've. Over the last couple of seasons, I've, I've said he should be playing at a higher level. He's 24 now, and I think it's time that he, he goes to that higher level and you know challenge himself into mm. to, into trying to win trophies because he's he's been at UCD and it's not to try get him out of there, but I just think he's been there for five years. He's played first division for a lot of the time. He's in the Premier now, and you know he's he has a he's setting the tone there for UCD week in week out, and I think a, a lot of the clubs will be trying to take him because he's one of the quality players. Um, but as you said, like Hoven, there's, there's a lot of good experienced players still around the league, you know. Mm. Um, young players coming up, as I said, I can mention a few that have been at Shells, young Shane Farrell, he's injured at the moment, but he's another player that he didn't come through the nineteenth. I took him from Finglas United mm. and he was playing Leinster Senior at Finglas United. And How did you f- find him or pick him up? I was playing Finglas, uh, I was playing for the over 35s of Finglas United and um, I got told about him and I brought him up training and he reminded me a bit of Forrester. You know, he has that ability, tall, skinny, young flat and just wanted to play football. Natural. You know? Yeah, he didn't. He just all about football. Didn't want to do anything else bar that. He didn't even have a phone. You know, that's, that's mad. It yeah. shows you what he, what he was like. He was sitting on the bus and we were going down. He's saying, I mean, Maz had to buy me my skill jumper today. And I'm sitting there just scratching my head, like, you know, and no phone, no, you can't text him, no nothing. So, fingless uh, lad. Fingless lad, yeah. And he's just all about football. And I think he's going to be a, a good talent coming through. You know, as I said, and. I've often said about the 19s and Gary alluded there about Hope and about the young players coming in and playing against them. The 19s doesn't give them that challenge. You know, they're playing the same level, the same young fellas, under 18s, under 19s. When, when you come up against a Hoban, it's it's a challenge for them. So mm-hmm. I think there should be a five overage players allowed playing the under 19s. So they don't have that fear factor when they come to play them. You know, they can go straight in and say, well, I'm at the mark and Gary O'Neill in, in the under 19s game. I'm at the mark and Hoban in an under 19s game who could be coming back from injury. Well, also you look at the Dundalk. I mean, say the likes of Stephen Vaughan at Dundalk. I can't imagine what football he's played in the that's, last year that's and a half. That's the other side of it. Yeah. Players yeah. sitting there and they're getting paid, but this illusion down with the game because they're coming up training week in week out, not getting on the bench or not playing, not kicking the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only mm-hmm. so long you can train without um, having some sort of a game, and there's only so many friendlies you can put on, and not some only so many good friendlies you can put on. You know, so I, I think as as I said, there's, there's a lot of young talent coming through, but there's some good senior players there and. If you're asking me which one is going to get into the Shells team back then, I don't know. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. maybe, Gary, that's about it. The the Cork... Pats, Strong endorsement. Cork and Pats, then, uh, I, I can't help but think there has to be a bit of pressure on Caulfield if they lose this, because that would be three, two home defeats in a row, and um, you can tell the crowd are a little bit despondent as well at the moment. Um, I, uh, Pats go in there, obviously, on the back of that win as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean as I said, like Pats still did need... Uh, an own goal to point them in the right direction. So, um, but they probably would have taken confidence from it. Yeah, you mentioned the pressure in Caulfield. I wonder, like, I wonder what it takes um, to put him under real pressure. Like, I still think with the credit he has in the bank over a long period of time, there's no doubt that there's rumblings there that people are unhappy and there have been changes at board level at Cork, which I think are significant in terms of the, the, the forest makeup. And there might be some people there who might be might have a different view to him maybe than some people that were there before. So I think you always have to be conscious of that, I'm sure, as a manager, if, if things change and, you know, you've experienced that. There's off some changes off the park and then you, you, you realise maybe there might be some eyes on you. I still think, you know, they'll probably reevaluate where they are at the break and around Europe time rather than 
um, anything drastic. Like the, the problem is the league has become so reliant on European money now. Like I mean, that's the thing. We're not we're not going back to what's going on elsewhere. But I mean the prize money scenario and so on. Like if you're running a full time club now and you're not qualifying for Europe, like you're in bother. Like Pats have invested this year to get to Europe. That's the mm. mi- minimum that they can do. So if Pats don't get into Europe, they're on, they're in bother. If Cork look like they're not going to get into Europe then it is going to be panic stations. I mean, at the moment, as we mentioned, the league is so open that you know they're going to be in the, the shake-up for that. It's when they're in a scenario where that looks to be in jeopardy that you suddenly might see movements yeah. here. So I, I'm not sure if you can say the Pats are, are, are good enough at the moment to be favourites going down there or anything like that. But I think if Cork, don't if if Cork fans and players and senior players have been around there as well. I know that you have to put it on the manager, but there's senior players around Not there still well at all. who've won leagues and mm. and won trophies too. And whatever your view of what's going on, I mean, Owen, I'm still thinking you'd imagine in the dressing room, you'd like to be seeing lads hurting and coming in and, yeah. and being annoyed and, and and standing up at the weekend as well. Yeah, I definitely think that Cork will bounce back. You know, losing two games on the on the bounce as well against Pats. You know, you know if they lose this week against mm. Pats, two games, yeah. two defeats. So I can't see them. Um, losing down there especially with a crowd behind them they'd be, they'd be really cheering them on and as you said players have to have pride and come out and you know, show people what they're made of and bounce back after last week's defeat You played Derry at home and obviously you've a bit to prove against them because the first game of the season was a bit of a disaster Yeah definitely um, just touching on what you said about the the race for the top four this year I think Derry will be there thereabouts as well I, I think they're one of the most impressive ones that we've we've played against Who this impressed season. you for Derry? Uh, I like the lad of front Parkos He's, been, he's, he's meant to be a real talent, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's, I think he's only 20, 21. He's on loan from Sheffield United. Loan he's young, yeah. He seemed yeah. to enjoy enjoy his goal in Finn Park as well. Went up yeah. to the Harps fans after. Yeah. There's something that he's taken the way he's got his technique or something. He's just he's he's very he looks to be he's a, a big really, boy as well. Yeah, yeah. He looks after himself. He's uh, just actually talking to Liam Scales about playing against nines. He said that Parkos was the one that he struggled most against. Really? He claimed yeah. to grip so yeah, he had everything. He was quick. He's strong and a good finisher as well. He scored a good goal against us. So. Um, How is the pitch going to be on Friday night? I'm not too sure. We, we had a meeting yesterday. We walked past it. We didn't really go down to it, but it looked better. It couldn't have got much worse now. But thank God the rugby season's finished now, so it should be back to where it was. That sentiment, yeah. John yeah. doesn't. He, John loves the rugby loves, now, loves so he's a uh, <laughs> he's, he's he's a regular rugby attendee. Now. I, know, I love. The you heard about this own? He's completely. He's uh, basically he he's 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 found love, which is. Beautiful, you know. I mean, like you know, that's life. And uh, but he's he's, he's in, a, in a different part of town, you know. He'd be more he'd be more south side now, but not in the he, like Johnny would go to Belfield, but he'd be going to the bowl for different reasons. Like he'd yeah. be going to see the rugby oh, match yeah, now. Oh, definitely, yeah. You've gone, you've gone completely <laughs> now. Different type of. Uh, I love the Irish Times uh, letter to the editor though during the week. Your man's like it was a disgrace. Irish Times letter to the editor. There you it, go. This, yeah, this yeah. Irish Times letters page now. <laughs> Your man uh, was like uh, it was a disgrace. Like at the Leinster Ulster game, all the lads in front of me I had to keep getting up to let them go by with their drinking he goes real fans should bring a hip flask <laughs> <laughs> you don't see a hip flask at League no, of Ireland grounds no. but uh, Sligo and Dork and Dork kind of need to win this Dan well as we discussed earlier yeah mm-hmm. I think all, all the same points stand and um, yeah Sligo are, are, are struggling a bit um, <sighs> they look in definite danger finishing bottom two Bottom two, yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, like, I mean, UCD's upturn and and improvement is probably it, it's 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 worse news for them than it is for anybody else to some degree, and uh, I don't know, I mean, only you've experience of going down there and things not happening, you know, and and pressure will build over yeah, a period of time, and, you know. You know, I said it at the time when I left there that you know they're a team if they if they don't get the house in order they will struggle, you know, they, they will be relegated eventually if if they keep going the way they're going, getting rid of managers and. Manager bring, comes in, new manager comes in. He's going to bring in ten players. You know, keeps changing, keeps rotating over and over. And if you look at the amount of managers they've had in the last five, six years, it's it's phenomenal. You know, so hopefully they give Liam. You know, hopefully they don't put pressure on them straight away. But mm. obviously there will be because they need to get out of that relegation zone. And you know, as I said, it, there's a lot of people when you're down there that don't take to the dubs too well. You know, in the fourth place. But that so. is a view. I, I was going to raise that, but yeah, I mean, it uh, is. You know, I'm sure people in Sligo are going to go. Ma- won't like that opinion no, being put the, out there. That's that's the way it is. They rather their their own uh, their own talent coming through. I mean, you know, they criticised Dinny Corcoran when he was there and Stephen Beatty. Dinny had an there. absolute horror show down there. But Dinny yeah. goes on and, and he's doing well yeah. again. Stephen Beatty goes on and wins medals. You know because. You know, we're getting pressure on them, you know, obviously because they weren't doing well or we weren't doing well. So it's. I it, should clarify that Dinny had a horror show at Pats, but he actually did okay at Sligo, didn't he? He yeah, got he a couple of goals. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. At the end of the season, yeah. he, yeah. he was playing a bit of guy on the side as well, though, around yeah. that time, too. Well, as I said, like it's, it is, and they expect, you know, week in, week out that they're doing well, and they want their own young talent coming through. But, you know, sometimes that 
the leagues aren't strong enough down down in uh, you know down in Sligo and Mayo and things like that that you can't get that young talent come through because mm. they're not playing at a high enough level. So you know, and there is that culture down there as well that um, players, the three or four young players, are in the house on their own and they don't have the families there with them. So it's mm. tough, but. Uh, you know, he'd be definitely under pressure if they lose this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Liam Le- Le- is the type of manager that has a style and stuff as well. So if you bring him in, like, he's, it's going to take time, you would have thought, you know, mm. to adopt that. But I mean, I know I know Sligo do have some promising young players. I mean, John Matten is coming through. Seems Keeney to have, have yeah. the Myers, but actually they might struggle. I mean, I think Matten might face might be some interest in him definitely. in the summer too. So um, and that's going to be a, a challenge for them. And they probably need to balance. I mean, they're, they're, in fairness to the club in recent years, like their fundraising efforts of supporters and stuff has incredible. been incredible to somehow somehow keep things okay financial-wise. But there's only so many times you can, uh, you know, you can go back to the well. With all due respect to Bowles being second, Harps will still look at that game and say, like, we have a chance here of picking up points. Harps at home have been competitive and... and pretty much all their home games they've just been wiped out in some of their away matches uh, so they're, they're well capable of of uh, giving Bowes a, Bowes a problem there but um, I still think Bowes at the moment now I think they've earned the respect to believe that they can go and they can go and do that we should mention we're going to do Shamrock Rovers water for Jack Byrne the soccer artist player of the month as well um, he got the award this morning so uh, I know there was a couple of players in the mix uh, once he was put in the short list I had a feeling the fact he was in the Ireland squad he was always going to win it I think there was other, there was other viable contenders in the mix too but He's a talented player, Gary. I mean, I assume. Yeah, know, he's excellent. You, he's you know excellent. I mean? Yeah, we found it on the night we played him. He played off the left, as you said, and coming in off the line, we just couldn't pick him up. And some of the passes that he plays were passes that you know no one else in the in the league would see. To be honest, with you. I thought mm. he was brilliant that night. He was really, really good. I think Waterford are like. Our, I mean, you mentioned the pitch. I mean, the one thing about going to Tala that there'd be no issues there. You would have thought so. Waterford have some good football players that they're capable of going to Tala and. You know, yeah. having some time in the ball and, and, and having a role in the game. Definitely, yeah. They have some very, very good footballers. I was actually not disappointed with them because obviously you know, it worked out well for us, but I just don't think they'll be that bad again this season. I think they have some, some players that don't know what the story of Bastian is at the moment because he hasn't been in the team. Um, mm. Even him coming off the bench, he made a big difference to them when he came on. And the likes of Duggan, Lunny, and the lad who played a wide right on the. Yeah, was He's excellent. Yeah. He's very, yeah. very good. So. I think on their day, I think they'll give anyone a game. They went down to Turners Cross and won 2 0 earlier on the season. Yeah. So they are a very good side, and I think it'll be an inter- interesting game that one. Mm. Looking forward to the Derry game anyway. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, as you said, it was one that we kind of have a, a point, point to, to prove, prove against them. Yeah, that, that I was saying to Owen before we came on air, you know, that, that time we played them was the first game in the, the new Brandywell or the, the renamed Brandywell, and it was Devine's first game, so it was kind of a mm, the Ryan McBride Brandywell, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were so up for the game, and I mean, it was just the one that it was our first game in the Premier League. They kind of caught us on the hop, but uh, we'd be more prepared for them tomorrow night, definitely. Yeah, we'll just wrap up with the first division as well. At Lone Town, uh, three draw had a five last weekend. Shelburne one, Bray nil. Galway United nil, Limerick one, Wexford one, Longford two. Cove nil, Cabin Teeley one, and this weekend in the first division, Cabin Teeley against Athlone, Drogheda v Shelburne, Galway v Cove, Limerick v Wexford, and then on Saturday, Longford v Bray. Thanks for coming in, lads. Thanks very much. Yeah, and uh, thanks for listening. But there are